Welcome back, kids. It's Mike, Limitless Mike, your host of the Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast channel. Now, we don't get too political on this channel because it's all about comics, but I got some box of Pop-Tarts to open up on some things that are bothering me just a little bit. So let me tell y'all a story. Going to work today, the job that I have two or three days, four days sometimes out of the week, working nights, minding my own business, pushing a broom and stocking shelves and counting stuff for the man. And when I mean the man, I mean the machine, the machine that we all grind in so that we can make those little things called dollars so that pay the taxes and the bills and give politicians an excuse to um, unprofessionally and irresponsibly spend money on things like um, uh, world damning viruses. <coughs> anyway, going to work today. Well, first, let's back it up. Got a text message today from the SSA. This is the position at the retail store that I work at, the retail hardware store. Won't name names because that would be unprofessional and we don't want any cease and desist letters on this channel. So we go, I, I, I wake up this morning, I don't know, I'm actually reading the uh, writing for comics by Stan Lee as a book that Stan Lee wrote with uh, a couple of, a couple of good guys at dynamite entertainment back in, I think it's 07, 08, really great book, 468 pages. You can pick it up for the low, low price of eight ninety nine to a to $12.99 on Amazon, depending on whether it's on sale or not. Anyway, shameless plug over. Going back to the story, get a text message from my SSA, the hour guy. All he does at, at, at this place that we won't name is push numbers, you know, in a thing, hire people, make phone calls. Like basically everything with HR do, but they don't have an HR anymore because they got rid of it. Well, I get a text saying, check your, check, check your app. Schedule has been changed, hours have been cut, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, hey, working two, three days a week, my mom business, got degrees, been here for over a year. Surely I wouldn't get cut too hard. Supposed to work tonight, called in yesterday because my baby had the flying shits and was throwing up all over the place. Um, thanks to my nephew, who was also sent home from school that day for the same thing. So, you know, passing a stomach bug around the house. And um, go to work tonight about 43 minutes ago and um lo and behold i checked my schedule after trying to clock in clock in the 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 yeah, machine says you clocking in today and i say yes and then when i prompt it it prompts back with a you're not scheduled today are you sure you're working today and i was just like oh man i better check the schedule so open the open the charts open the app check the schedule i usually work two three maybe four days a week at nighttime fine with me 32 hours not bad uh, here in the south making almost 14 dollars an hour it's not a bad way to go um, it's cheap and easy living my wife is a is, a, is an instructor at a, at, a, at a college she also runs phones for offices of the tri-county area in phoenix arizona it's called triage and um, she helps patients get their medication basically saving lives from our bedroom right very noble honorable so but I, I'm, I'm tied to a little process called child support. So here in America, guys, for those of you listening outside the country, we're, uh, we're tied to this thing called child support. And uh, I can't not not have a job ever. Like, I don't have that option. It's not, it's, not op it's not applicable for me no more to not have a job or to choose not to have a job. My ex-wife can choose not, have, not, not to have a job. To totally okay for her. But it's not okay for me. I find this very unfair. However, um, unless I unless I make phone calls, emails for the next five to ten years, I can't really do much about it. And I'm just one guy. So unless you know, 3.5 million of us guys stand up and are huh, erroneously correct in our stance, as in I'm an honest man who supports my children and doesn't go late there and has outstanding balances on his child support. And actually does what he's supposed to do, including bettering his own life by, like, you know, going to school and making sure he has a job. Cleanliness, making sure I'm healthy and stuff. All, all the good things that, that our government says we need to be good parents. 
So I, I only work the three or four days a week, which I'm I'm, I'm okay with because I do the podcasting here, which you guys listen to, and then I do my writing and then I do editing. A lot of these things I'm not getting paid too highly for yet because, I, like I, like I said, I'm I'm fresh out of my master's degree at 2021. It's 2022, so I'm I'm still breaking in this year. I'm the break-in talent. <clears throat> I'm I'm pretty positioned in ink marketing. Um, some pretty huge things happening in the near near future, but those things aren't paying out right now. So this is what I have to do. And then every creator has to do this. In fact, there's not a creator I know, including the owner of Ink Marketing, that doesn't have a day job. Or or at least another job that pays that pays the bills so we could do the things we're most passionate about. So I was on the schedule for two days this week. Uh, three days actually. I called out one of those days. And then I was on um I was on the schedule for four days next week. Lo and behold, I get chopped down to one day. I got chopped down all the way to one day next Friday, which is great, man. I got more time to write, more time to edit, more time to work on my resume because I feel like my two weeks notice is coming soon. But it's just unfathomable the way the way the economy works. And and it's a trickle down effect. And I'm going to tell you right now, especially guys, out, uh, guys and girls, kids listening from outside the country. It is not a great time in America right now. It really, really is not a great time. Like, our, our country is printing off money faster than we could spend it. And half of it isn't even getting spent. It's being approved in budgeted bills that have a long laundry list of things that, you know, politicians want that necessarily the people don't want. Um, there's always going to be an opposition on both sides of the aisle. There's always going to be an opposition between both sides of the aisle and the people that they serve. That's always going to be a given because you can't please everybody. You can't please everybody in comics either. When you write something, you know, it's, it's just not gonna, it's not going to work out and you got to find in, and, and, and the work is when you're a politician, you have to find that happy medium. You have to find that place through logic and reason. And there's just no logic and reason from taking an honest working man from two, three days a week to one day a week. I don't care who you are. They gave us a bonus. They cut hours. And my ASM just told me, my assistant, my assistant manager just told me that they were about to hire a whole bunch of new people. In what reality is it okay to overwork your full time, cut your part time down, which is, which is the glue between the full-time so that full-time can have days off. I mean, this goes back all the way to the 2008 financial collapse where the government basically bailed out everybody. The banks, DMC, car dealerships. I mean, for what? For the entire country to say, hey, we don't want to pay insurance and stuff no more, so we're just going to start hiring people part-time and then they can do what they can uh, to work from that position into a full-time position. You know, then when I started working, I was telling my sister this, when I started working in 2007, my first legit job at Walmart, part-timers were sparse. We had full-time everywhere. You want to know why? You want to know why retailers out there? Boss this to all the CEOs, you know, retail, even small businesses, because full-timers have the most motivation to show up for work. Full-timers are incentivized with insurance, which most companies are only offering full-time people. As a part-timer, I don't get insurance options because I'm part-time. So through labor laws, they're able to manipulate that by only giving me 15 to 20 hours a week. Now, I'm going to be okay with that. I mean, I'm not okay with not having insurance. I think part-timers should have access to some insurance. <clears throat> Right now, I, th- I think this time in my life, my perspective is that insurance is kind of a scam. And it's because of insurance that premiums at doctor's offices raised since like, since the 80s. Car insurance, the same thing. Man, go look at, a, go look at an old magazine from the 60s and 70s where they used to have car dealerships in the back. Do you know that the same Trans Am that, that, that you car guys froth over online that are like 10 to $25,000 now, which is ridiculous for a 69. I don't care what condition it is because brand new stock parts, 
chrome or not, those cars were only selling for six, seven grand tops. That was the highest that a car was. Not these $30,000, $45,000, $60,000 SUVs and trucks. It is ridiculous, and you can thank insurance for that. You can thank insurance for that, because they use that as a way to make more money on their bottom line. Aside from that rant, our governments are printing off so much money that people are accepting money at home, and they're not going to work. This is causing retailers to have to do something about it. So this something about it that they're doing is hiring people in two, three dollars more above the pay wage, which is acceptable. Hey, incentivize them. You want bigger fish? Throw a bigger bait on there. Well, from an experienced fisherman's point of view, if we're going to use fishermen, uh, um, analogies here, um, sometimes the biggest bait isn't always the best because the bigger the fish, the dumber the fish might be. Why would you want a dumb fish working at your store? Because it's a body? I mean, yeah, if they did all the physical labor without much direction and, and, and needed oversight, then I guess that'd be okay. But that's not what retailers want. Retailers want critical thinking, do-it-yourself, not much guidance, DIY-type people. Or at least I thought. But apparently they don't. That's not what they pay us for. They pay us to do what we're told, which is not okay. Because that, uh, that would mean that that the retail system and the economy system runs on a totalitarianism or a socialism scale. Or not a scale, but a, a socialism type type of uh, type of authority, authoritarianism is probably the best system to describe it as. Do what you're told and shut up or you get fired. Which is fine, man. That's That's great. That's what you hired me to do. I mean, if I didn't do what I was supposed to, I wouldn't expect that person to pay me anymore. However, there's a certain extent to where you could push that without devaluing or defacing that person as a person. And I think that giving us a bonus is just something that we earn by working hard as a group for a store that's been here for the longest time, doing us a solid, and then cutting us back down as part-timers to these ridiculous hours. Like, who wants to work for a company one day out of the week? I'm not a 65-year-old man or woman who's on who's on Social Security or, or, or disability who just wants to stay current and, and mingle with people. Like, that's not my demographic right now. I'm a 34-year-old working man, father, passionate creator who's trying to make his imprint difference in the world. It's just... Guys, it's ridiculous, man. So ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I don't agree with free money. I've had to accept the free money that they've given uh, here in the States because there's just no other way. You can't send it back to the IRS. And if you do, there's no there's no guarantee that they're going to take your name off that list and be like, well, he didn't want it. He sent it back. Let's stick it back in the vault. Doesn't work that way, apparently. Um, we're going to print money and give it to you and you're going to take it regardless. Like I didn't want that money because I know that we're going to pay that back eventually. I didn't want to pay that back. And anybody who took that free money willingly, you're stupid. You're all stupid. I don't give a crap who you are. Whether you live in America or you live outside this country. Or if you're here in this country and you, I don't even care if you're not a citizen. If you took that money, you're a citizen now. You're also contributing to the worst possible crisis in American history and in the American economy. You're creating a deviation. And a deviation is, is something in the financial world that nobody likes. Because deviation means that there's going to be a decline, which means there's going to be an inflation period, which means every single market that is attached to the capitalistic economy that relies on direct-to-market or B2B markets are going to be affected. And this is coming from an educated mind and creator who has no prior working experience in B2B and direct market sales. But I've been a I've been a retailer for so long that the numbers and the sales and the way all that works just makes sense to me. So I can now look at it from the outside looking in. That's going to be a big deal for for comics. That's why that's why I chose to rant about it. I chose to rant about it because it, it actually does affect comics. Now, to me positively, now that I don't have hours, 
Like, Mike, why are you bitching so much? Because now you have all this free time to write. You are absolutely right, sir, ma'am, them. You are absolutely right. I have more time to write. But you know what? Having faith in writing while under extreme duress about the other facet of my life not being held up by the income that I rely on affects my writing. And it does so because that's what creators are. They are very emotionally sensitive people who spend a lethargic amount of time topographically, demographically, and trying and attempting political correctness in the stories that they write. That's just who we are. We're sensitive people. We notice energies. We feel energies. We feel stress. Sometimes that stress gets the best of us. Sometimes we we perform well under stress. Sometimes we don't perform well under stress. It depends on what type of person you are. I'm the type of person where I'm sensitive and I'm emotional. Like I had an opportunity to stay tonight. But I told I told my assistant manager, why would I stay and help after you guys after, after you guys just made a collective decision whether it came from home office or not to cut my hours back all the way back to next Friday. Guys, we're on Tuesday. Do you realize how long that is without a job? I, I could I could be making more on unemployment right now. But I've been there. I don't like dealing with unemployment. They want to pretty much own your life by making you stay on the computer and talk to them all day or try to talk to them all day because they just send you these these notifications and you have to respond to them and then you have to wait. It's like dicking with the IRS. It's just no bueno. I mean, it's not good communication, good communication. And that's that's the problem with every facet of our society right now. There's no good communication. And it's, it's just sad. It's sad because we are social creatures. Humans, all the way back to the dawn of time, wherever, wherever, our, wherever our, um, our species started from. And I'm not going to put a finger on this because I don't believe it goes back to 30,000 years ago. I believe it goes much further back uh, based on things that I've seen, um, things that I've read, uh, things that aren't mainstream that I've had to look and search for and found. And things that have popped up in, in files released by, you know, like the government and the CIA and, and stuff online. So wherever we first started, we've been, we've been a culture of socialites. We're, we're, we're social people. We all used to gather in groups and have fun and we talked about everything. You know, it's only, it's only, it's only fear and, and and miscommunication that 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 has caused us to become divided as a as a species whether you're 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 asian or you're black or you come from the ukraine or you you grew up in australia whether you're american or you're hawaiian samoan uh, taiwanese vietnamese korean doesn't matter like we all used to be one big group i mean yeah we're collectively scattered throughout the world but i mean regardless of what what culture you dive into um, the historical anom- anomalies, which we call anomalies, are there. They're social, social anomalies. They're actual normalties. We call them anomalies because, you know, especially here in America, like you grow up, you want to be on your own. You know, before my mom died, I tried to convince her to sell her house. Me and my sister and my wife and her could go in on a four-bedroom house and we could live we could live mediocre lives in that house and grow up and, and never have to worry about, you know, talking about scheduling birthdays and stuff because we'd all be there together to experience that. And I think I think that's something that I admire most about the Mexican culture is when they come here from America and, and they start they start spreading their roots as new citizens. Um, most of the men. And I'm not saying this as a sexist. But the, the dynamic in Mexico is most of the men, they get jobs. If not all the men get jobs, they all live in a, in a tiny space and they, they save up. They save up, they save up, they save up, they eat, that's it. They eat, they go to work, they enjoy each other's time. The majority of uh, the time I've spent with, with most uh, South American workers who come to America love watching TV because it's a, it's a, it's a luxury that they don't often get in South in south america or at least not wide open networks they get tv it's just it's not the same as the networks we have over here of course that 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 could have changed in the last you know 15 years because i haven't had really a mexican friend in a long time 
But um, the ones I used to play with when I was kids, that's what they would do. And then every every couple of weeks, you'd see a, a new car on the driveway, uh, especially when I was in high school. I grew up in the neighborhood that my sister now currently still lives in. There was a family up the street, really nice people, hardworking people, and they decorate their houses every holidays. It's really cool, especially on Cinco de Mayo. It's really awesome. And uh, there'd be a new a new freaking car in there every couple of weeks, and they'd pay that off, and they'd pay that off, and they'd pay that off. And then after that, they'd they'd either move to a bigger house or they'd, they'd get something else. By the end of it, there's still nine people living there. That, I mean, dude, they stacked their money. They lived as like a little tiny village, as a community. I wanted that for my family and they didn't want that because for some reason here in America, we think that the value of independence is something to be sought after more than it is the value of being part of the village. And it's crazy because a lot of these companies and, and our government even, relies on us to band together in little villages. However, they still want us to believe in the complacency of independence. And it's because of that, that the housing market exists, which was really designed to trick people out of spending money and giving it to the banks so that banks can move your money around. You can call that a conspiracy theory if you want to. I don't care if I'm saying it over national news. I'm a little irate today, so I'm venting. It has a lot to do with comics, man. That's why we're experiencing these supply shortages. These, I mean, that's why that's why companies like um, um, like Dynamite and Scout Comics are putting out all these all these different uh, memorandums out to to the public about you know pushing dates back on, on on comic book releases. Which I mean, it doesn't affect us too big. I mean, it affects the physical collectors who like to get first prints of of new issues because one day that value might hold true. Uh, they might meet their favorite creator at a con and get it signed and then they might get it graded and that might become something they pass down to their kids. But I mean, that's still, they could still release comics into the digital market, which is, which has been happening and ongoing for a long, long time. I, I wish to see it pushed out of the Amazon world because, um, there's, there's a lot of conflict right now with Kindle and Comixology merging together. In fact, I tried to do that account merging this morning, and it was the most difficult thing I had ever read in my life. And then I found some articles on it that talked about the good and the bad, and oh my goodness. And then, and then some people are saying that the new, the new Comixology app is basically Kindle. So I have an Amazon Fire Kindle tablet, so I just, I just use that. It pulls from both, and I don't have to deal with the, the, the weirdness of it. But that's my rant, people, so... I apologize, but, you know, thanks for coming on and, and listening anyway. But um, what we're going to talk about right now is pretty cool. So I've, I've watched a few things um, that I kind of want to just talk about here for a minute. Um, if you don't know, on Netflix, if you haven't been following along, Sword Art Online um, has been an amazing show um, over the last 10 years. I wish it hasn't taken that long to produce four viable seasons, but I don't read the manga, um, which I've heard is actually uh, a longer ongoing series and covers a lot of the, um, the video game side story stuff of like you played the lost song, which is the, the game for Alfheim, or if you played a uh, holitization or reholitization, uh, which are two games that are synonymously taken place after, um, after the first season of S SAO and to, going into the second season right before GGO um, happens, which is where they meet one of my favorite characters, Sinon. So, but I watched uh, the, the second season of uh, Alitization. It's called War of the Underworlds, and it is fascinating. It is a fascinating, is a fascinating piece. These, this show is talking about things about AR and VR that we as a culture of people as one unified culture of people need to be talking about. I mean, in uh, the first season of SO, SAO Sword Art Online, <clears throat> the creator of the first actual headset uh, puts a microchip in there. And because of all this advanced technology that scans your likeness and actually gets it so accurate down to the very minuscule like features of like wrinkles and, and like how much you weigh and how tall you are, that uh, it, it actually ends up becoming uh, a deathly situation. And I've heard SAO being compared to something prior to, to SAO being a thing, but I don't think those, those, those two animes are the same. And the reason I say that is because SAO 
might have been a fan of that other anime that's kind of like the same theme in premise i don't have the i don't have the name of it but um what it does do is it does evolve from that and it's basically set around kirito <clears throat> which is which is his gamer name um i'm not so i'm not so really good at remembering the names of these anime shows because they do focus on a simulcast of characters not just one but the show is built around kirito Kirito and the themes and premises of, you know, how much quality life would be if we were to, um, if we were to choose a fake life, um, inside our real ones. Um, would we still make friends the same way? Would we still love the same way? Would we still fight for life and value life the same way? And you can see that balanced out throughout the series, uh, especially with groups like the Laughing Coffins. So in SAO, for those of you who haven't watched the show, it's on Netflix and Hulu. Uh, Hulu, I think you can still watch the first three seasons. Um, Netflix is where the War of the, War, War of the Underworld season four just dropped. <clears throat> but you can, you can watch the, the first season and basically the rules are set up like this. Everybody logged in. Uh, I think it's Akihiko Kayaba is the creator of the... Um, of the SAO and the, something called the seed, which is the world, which is the virtual landscape that Anticrad, the, the giant city, the giant sky city, um, that they all fight through in, in, in the first season. And I believe they revisited slightly in the second season, but it's more of a, it's more of a backdrop landscape type thing. But, um, but he's the creator, gets everybody into these headsets, 10,000 people get in. Now, the problem with this is the microwave emitter inside uh, prevents them from logging out. And Akihiko Kayaba programs everybody's headset, so the logout feature is gone. And what this does is it allows him to tell everybody in a huge statement in the middle of Times Square on level one, in the middle of, of the square, to say, hey, this is a real game now. This is, this is my experiment to the world. We're going to show the world how ugly humanity really is. So when your HP drops to zero, you're going to die in the real world. The microwave emitter is going to release an electrical impulse that is basically going to fry your hippocampus and affect your ubla oblongata. And it's basically going to fry your brain from, from the outside in or the inside out, however, however which way it is. I know, I don't know if it's got like red red uh red light technology if it does then it would it would heat from the inside out um if it was just an electrical impulse then the birds would be substantial on the outside in um and you'd be able to you'd be able to see that in a, in a biopsy um when they when they did your your autopsy for for cause of death <clears throat> so that's basically season one and kirito moves through there alone um and he learns how to find friends of course it's set back when he witnesses a group that he decides to to pair with um, dies in a dungeon, um, and he wasn't strong enough to save them, and then um, he meets Asuna, and Asuna is part of this huge social movement in the game that ends up becoming um, uh, the driving force all the way up to level one hundred, which is where they're supposed to get to in order to finish the game so that everybody can be released. Um, Kirito is the hero that does that. He defeats the uh, the boss at the end, which was Akihiko Kaiba, um, mirroring mirroring his image as a playable character, who was who was over the uh, the knighthood. I forget their names. Um, group that uh, Asuna was a part of that was trying to push their way through um, in a massive scale. And then there was this group called the Laughing Coffins, Coffins, which provides the conflict to the premise of how ugly humanity really is and how much some of us really value life. And the Laughing Coppins was a group of assassins who went around killing people, or as we call in the video game world, um, in open world and, and online uh, MMOs, MMO landscapes called PKing, which is player killing. Um, it's, a fast, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating concept as a video game, but when you take that, that concept and you, you, apply, you apply it to the consequences of real life, it becomes a real serious thing. And, and I admired the first season for sharing that premise and showing us that reality. And it's one of the first time games, like uh, a television show, regardless of whether or not it's animation or live action, has really ever pushed the boundaries 
on technology coming up in the world. And we've seen this before. Um, there are still books out there today, like the, the book um, written um, by an author whose name escapes me, but it, it, it was literally called iRobot, the film that you all know and love um, with Sonny and um, uh, Will Smith, who played the, the cybernetic detective. I mean, though, those had relevant consequences and, and evoked a lot of questions about how we're going to use robots and AI in the real world in the coming future. And it's the same goes for our entertainment value. Like a lot of us right now, especially in comics, right? So a lot of us view comics as throwaway entertainment. Uh, it's fun. It's great. It's bouncy. It makes you forget what you're going through. Um, comics can also share an experience, make you feel something about um, what you're reflecting on and how, how what you're going through is, is, is making you feel like you're not alone. So it can also be therapeutic and it can also be fun. Um, and it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be logical. Um, but in hindsight, comics, books, video games, all these things that are meant to be distractions are used to be distractions, especially video games. Video games were created just, just for fun. It's a bunch of nerds who were programming stuff who discovered that they could move a bunch of polygons around and that turned into meshes and that turned into layers over meshes and that turned into um, solid objects which turned into you know the animation side of it which was sculpting and then rigging and then animating all that other stuff <clears throat> it was meant to be fun and then we turned it into real life and then we we created it to be an engine or perpetuity and discovery where we could step into a video game like a submarine and then instead of exploring the ocean in the video game we're exploring important life themes and consequences without having to experience those consequences out here in the real world now no matter what some of us need to get burned in order to learn life's most insidious lessons right i'm one of those very few stubborn or very very much stubborn people who um who have to get burned in order to learn. And, and I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to say that because there is, there is some difference between seeing something and experiencing something when it comes to learning a lesson. And, and, and that takes... I'm not going to say it takes a lot, but... It gives you more if you experience the failure in real life than you see someone else experiencing it. But going back to, to the video games and, and entertainment and stuff and, and how we view it, the, the premise of the show and the video game is shedding light on how we're going to experience our entertainment in the future. And you're already, I'm already seeing this. Like I took my kids to a place called Big Play. Here, uh, here on the southern coast. It's a great place. It's a giant arcade. It's got a bowling alley on it. Uh, it, has a, it has a bar and grill attached to it um, for adults. Um, it has a costume shop. What it, what it just recently added in the last five years, or in the last couple of years, was uh, a VR experience booth. And it, from I think it's I think it's one to six players. They have they have harnesses and they have those little those little tracks. Um, that's really cool because it's tied to the internet and to a group. And if you make a high score, you, you know, you win some stuff and you get featured, you know, on their site. And it's, it's cool. They have a zombie game and, and, and a couple other ones. Um, I recently saw that, that popular um, Oculus Rift um, game that's called Beats. That's kind of like Rockstar. Is it Rockstar? No, it's kind of like, is it Rock Band? I think it was Rock Band. Rock band and guitar hero esque. Only instead of using equipment to to mesh the patterns for the notes, you're using lightsabers or light swords, however they want it. You know, so we don't copyright license infringement. Um, which I thought was really cool. And then my my nephew played a game, uh, which was like a, a a King Kong roller coaster, but it was interactive. It only cost five dollars to play. So so we're we're stepping into. Uh, we're stepping into a culture of entertainment um, evolution. Like Oculus Rift and those types of devices are just the beginning. 
we're not far away from Ready Player One. Now, here's the next, here's the next evolutionary stage. And if you don't believe me, you really need to go read Big um, um, Ready Player Two, which just came out in November. And the reason I say this is, and this is a spoiler, in the first few chapters, in the first few chapters, our uh, our main character from the movie and the book, they uh, they experience life at its greatest, right? So at the end of the first movie, um, they win the contest. They they defeat that asshole um, <laughs> at that place that I can't remember what the name of, where he had everybody working for credits, right? Um, trying to find these these clues and these easter eggs so that they can they can win the keys to get the scroll and get the company so him and his friends they get the company and book number two starts off on kind of like the first three months and what they did with it well there there was a conflict between him and his girlfriend from the first movie first book however you want to look at it and uh, it came down to wade discovering that um like his childhood hero, the the master who created the games, also created one of the most sophisticated full dive console headsets in history. That was happening during the time that he was creating the Oasis. Now, what makes this so much different than the Oasis is in the Oasis, you can dive with a headset body free. And when I mean body free, I'm telling you that the headset that he discovers in a vault at HQ where he used to work, where this, where this game, game designer used to work, uh, his name escapes me too. I apologize for these, for these, but, but I know enough about it to talk about it. So I'm, I'm not trying to be vague. Oh, in fact, I think I just remember his name, Holiday. So at the company that Holiday worked, he discovers a headset. This headset, man, plugs directly in to your body. Into your body. It is scary. It is scary. And the premise that sets up the rest of the book, because I haven't finished it yet, is um, how you apply that technology to the rest of the world. And the riddle that Halliday leaves Wade um, during his uh, video introduction when he first discovers this and connects to it um, when the headset facets into like his brain, um, which has the same which has the same risk that SAO players had in the first season of Sword Art Online. If something happens and you disturb it, the, the cerebral interface could fry your memory and you could be a vegetable. But because of that, the technology the headset produces means that you could upload and download memories and experience them from the perspective of other people. You could live vicariously through other people. How, how awesome would it be for you to pick up a headset? All right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the extreme here. Say you're in a relationship, a monogamous relationship, because and, and I'm doing this because I want conflict to be prevalent. You're in a monogamous relationship. And you want to experience what it's like to be with more than one partner. Now, this is not a popular thing in monogamy, in monogamy right? In the practice of monogamy. Because a lot of, a lot of traditional either religions, beliefs, or, or habits um, that are passed down to us from our parents um, believe that, you know, you should be mono- monogamous with just one person. And also the, the, the conscience survey of people say that if you're monogamous, it's a safer way... Um, to avoid getting STDs, which I'm not going to argue with that. Like in, in LA, I've heard DJs on the radio listening on iHeartRadio saying that 80% of people in LA like get STDs on a monthly basis. That's scary. Like I wouldn't go to LA because I don't want my dick to fall off. But that's just me. Now, that's the conflict, right? Because of this technology, you could, in theory, it's a very strong theory, because if one person can think it, somebody else has already thought of it. Which means if somebody else has already thought of it, then the theory would be that somebody else has already either tried, attempted, or is working on that technology as we speak. That is, that is just the power of insight. And authors usually have that insight. I mean, if we're looking at, uh, at authors like Orville and Tesla 
and even if they never wrote books. But even people who wrote books were well connected with figures in the scientific community to, to know enough about it, to write about it fictionally, to get it pretty much spot on as it is right now from 70 years ago. But, but how awesome or how interesting would it be to experience that vicariously through somebody else who had and not only do you get to experience this, you get to experience the sensation and feelings from this. So not only is your, is your mind interacting with the, the memories and visions of others, but it's also being affected, affected on a chemically induced scale inside your own body as if you were there yourself right now. How scary is that? Nobody would need a partner anymore. Is that, is that, is that a part of, of the human experience that we're going to value in the future? Is that something that our kids are going to use to play it safe before they go venture out on their own? Will, uh, will a technology like that reduce things like murder and rape? I, I don't know. It could. But will it be worth the sacrifice of not living in the moment? With that one person, we, we could be complacent and coward behind these technological advances. The, the book sets up the premise that Halliday warns Wade that it, even though it's up to his decision, the effect of this technology on the modern world and society will have huge, huge consequences, whether it be good or bad. As I just described, it, there could be good. We could rid crime. We could actually have a murderer on trial who, who we don't fully understand cognitively on a mental level. And someone could take his memory of that moment. If, if he had like, let's say he had like, like, um, God, not glasses, but if he had uh, contacts that could record just record with Bluetooth technology. Yes, I'm talking Bluetooth technology on a layer about as thin as my fingernail. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, there's technology out there that works on even smaller scales. So you don't believe me? Go look up nanotechnology. It's all you need to know because you can find over 1,000, 2,000 articles and scientific journals on the internet that talk about nanotechnology, how small they are and how we're using them in the medical field to repair cuts and burns and, and blood vessel replacements and all sorts of stuff. But how, how we could have a murderer on trial and instead of sending that man to jail so that he can murder again later, actually using that in a live courtroom so that people can have that empathetic experience of what he goes through. Now, I'm not saying that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I am saying that we might be able to understand the why people murder people to begin with, whether it's a fit of rage and nobody taught him to control him or her to talk, control their emotions when they were younger or not. But that could be a benefit. The downfall is that watching that in the audience in a live courtroom could also create a murderer in the same sense. You know what I'm saying? Because it is, it is hu human factoids here that if you watch it enough, if you absorb it enough, if you convince yourself that you like this and you do nothing but obsess over it, eventually you will, you will crave the experience of whatever it is you're obsessing over. So it could, in essence, create a murderer. And that's just by using the same technology described in Ready Player Two. The same technology described in some, uh, uh, Sword Art Online. Um, I just wanted to talk a bit about the technology because technology is coming so frivolously. And I, and I heard this talked about on a podcast the other day that it's coming so fast that our governments and our politicians are going to be decades behind trying to regulate these uses. And so there are bound to be casualties, abnormalities, um, uh, benefits and 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 different stats and and analyses that never get logged, recognized or even talked about um, outside the confines of regulation, which is sad. Which means that humans aren't as proficient and efficient as as we like to think we are, 
which is equally as sad because that's going to force us to choose technology for efficiency instead of instead of having faith and and becoming more efficient whether that be you know getting more people on board with a passion to put put this through regulation the way it needs to be um it's just it's just sad and it's coming really fast but uh but for those of you who don't know that's what SAO season 1's about uh, two becomes really cool because um, they, they dive into Viking and Norse mythology history and they create a place called Savard Alfheim. And um, there's a bunch of different fairy-like races um, that Kiryu takes on. Um, of course, Alfheim is pretty much divided in this season. Um, Asuna gets kidnapped. Um, actually, this is real-world consequences, and this is what I was talking about. So um, after SAO, they upgraded the headset, and it's less dangerous now. They took the seed from Anacrad, which was the, the original algorithm program that launched the game, and they turned it into Alfheim um, out of this seed. Um, so the seed was uploaded at the end of Season 1. It was the dream of Akio... Akihikio... Akihiki... Kaioba, I just, I hope I got that right. It was the dream of Akohiki Kaioba, the original creator, to put that seed into the world so that others could create a world just like his. And he wanted people to be trapped in his because that was like his dream. He lost sight of that and became a maniac, which he admitted at the end of it. So in season two, Asuna, um, Asuna and Kirito try to find each other in the real world, and they do, but it's complicated because Asuna's father is is merging with a company or he's an executive and he has set his daughter to marry an asshole and this asshole ends up turning out to be um the main antagonist of the show which was some super high fairy who lives in the tallest tree which is the world tree in norse mythology it's called Ysidril, um which is a tree that sits in the center of all the realms and it connects all the realms to these different realms like alpha like if you played god of war you'd know what realms i'm talking about um those of you who are big fans of thor they talk about it in the movie um they're the protectors and and gods of the eight, the nine realms uh, earth being one of those realms <clears throat> but it was really cool so um Kito spends all of season two uh, making friends and and weaving together these alliances to stop the fairy wars so that they can focus on on saving Asuna and they do in the end um, uh, I believe the the asshole guy the asshole executive who's supposed to marry Asuna who's really just trying to be an ass he wants to marry her because of her dad's influence and stuff so he can position himself higher in the company you know the the normal corporate asshole move type storyline and uh, he ends up trying to kill Kirito, and I think Kirito ends up knifing him in the parking lot in self-defense, which I thought was pretty dope. Um, but, you know, that's what happens when you go for moves like that. Anyway, um, season three comes along. Kirito's in high school. He's he's super, super advanced in all this technology. Runs into, um, runs into some guy who turns him on to this, this, this uh, company called Wrath. And this Wrath has a location called the Sea Turtle, which is in the middle of the Atlantic. I believe it's the Pacific Atlantic. I can't remember what side. It's it's in it's in international waters, uh, and a black site. Um, it was run by this dude who turns out to be an asshole. But um, the show evolves even further by suggesting that for the first time, and for those of you who haven't watched the show Transcendence with um, with Johnny Depp, you should go watch it. Because it, it, plays, it plays a notion to this technology that's coming in the future. And I believe that because I just wrote a story idea today um, that I'll share with everybody in the far future. Or maybe if I have some time because I'm running out of time here at 11 minutes. But it, uh, it introduces the concept of fluct lights. And fluct lights are what some believe to be the soul. And that's the light that runs around your body and tells you things. That, uh, it's how you experience life and the frequency of existence in the plane that you live on. Um, they also believe that this flux light can be duplicated because they did it in a place called the Underworld. Now, the Underworld is a name given um, out of Greek context, right? Greek mythology context. 
and it was put in this authoritarianism, totalitarianism style um, program. So floodlights of the projects. Um, so imagine if you got, if you if you volunteered to be a science experiment for one of these companies who are creating a new version of antiacids or or fart control or gas stuff. I don't know. Um, that's what that's what these are. So in the game, quote, um, is actually a live experience. Um, you hook up to this machine. This one's hardwired into the underworld and you become a living soul, which means you get born and you live a life like a full life in wherever they start you out as. Um, in this world, they have, of course, the old traditional um, historical. Uh, I, I, the it, it escapes me. Uh, it's the old politics that's used to be run by the king and queen. Um, in this world, uh, you have people who who are who are different levels of citizenship. Um, kind of like they used to have like dukes, and then there was the king and queen, and then there were like viceroys. Um, and this one, you have integrity knights. You have the point effects. Uh, so it's like a church-style totalitarianism, authoritarianism-style structure of social of of social living. Uh, the point effects is the highest, right? The integrity knights, and then you have uh, the highest families, uh, the royals, you could call them, and then you have the normal people, which is where Kirito started off as, and. Um, and, and they use this program to grow artificial intelligence consciences. But they all have real souls. And they're all mapped from our own fluctlights. It's a really divine concept. Because at this point, not only are you saying we can be gods. But if you wanted to be immortal, when you die, or before you die, you can, let's say, go inside a company. Kind of like go and have you know, an abortion or going to see a doctor or going to get your tooth pulled. You'll go into a clinic. Let's call it the fluct like clinic. You'll go see a fluct like doctor, which is a programmer. He'll map out your fluct like system, map your brain out, copy basically your consciousness, and they'll save you to a hard drive. That hard drive would be put in storage. So when you die, right? When you die, you'll get an autonomous body, right? And I'm sure you'll have to pay for this because God bless America and capitalism. You have to play for this. You have to pay for this, and then your your fluctuating consciousness gets that's uploaded back into your autonomous body, and and from there, you uh, you're immortal. You're immortal until you're destroyed. At that point, you're still not immortal, but you you don't you won't no longer experience things like sickness. Uh, you won't ever experience um, a lack in cognitive issues. Uh, you'll be you'll be enhanced with technology. You'll be something more. Whether or not that was meant for us or not, don't know, but it is coming. It's coming in the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years from now. They'll be talking about this and they'll be praising over this tiny little podcast guy um, called Limitless Mike who broke this story to nobody <laughs> um, over time. But uh, the season focuses on that. And then uh, he gets locked in this where he has to go through the point effects um, and in order to do that, he has to live a life and he has to get accepted to the school. And the only way he could do that is cut down a giant tree. They cut the tree down. Um, he goes to the school. He ends up getting in trouble. He goes see Integrity Nights. Well, from there, he looks at that as an opportunity. So from something crazy, um, he carries over a lot of his will, which is what this game system has built on. They've, they've basically created a, a gamified version of will, which is what makes you more powerful or not. And then, um, and then that's how he defeated the Integrity Knights. And he meets Alice along the way. And then uh, he kills the point effects. But at the end, um, Americans hire this black site team to go and steal this technology. Because they, they don't want this happening. It can, it can throw off the balance of the world, right? And so they end up overtaking and forcing the team behind the scenes into a, you know, a tiny room. And because of this... Um, they, they overrode the power, and he happened to be staying at the console, and so the console fries Kirito in the system and basically turns him into a mute in Season 4. Now, I won't, I won't spoil Season 4 a whole lot for you guys. I still want you guys to go watch it. It's amazing. It pulls from everywhere. The, the coolest thing about Season 4 was Alice, Alice finds out that, that the 
the the dark the dark territories, which is a territory outside the existence of this town, where all these flux lights are growing emotionally, right? Exists, and up until this point, the dark territories have been quiet, which is basically like orcs, pig people, uh, wargans, or like werewolf guys, um, giant monsters, uh, outcasts who look like humans who who are built like Ryu from Street Fighter. They just look like they could whoop ass. In fact, one of them kind of does. Um, he's kind of like an Iron Fist meets, um, fuck, meets every, like, uh, Iron Fist meets meets Ryu from, from Street Fighter is what I could, I could describe him as. But, um, but it's really just the other guys who took over Wrath in the real world um, dove into this uh, LTL system is what they call it. Uh, upload their flight fluck light to a character and um now they're warring themselves because they they want to upload they want to upload alice into what they call a light cube and take that with them so they can scan the technology in america and produce it themselves um what's really cool is that and this is it's not cool but what's really fascinating is that all these artificial souls are real things. Like once you become a soul and recognize as conscious, that's it. You're conscious. Artificial or not. That's where I'm going to draw the line. We've seen this too many times, especially in like the Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams. There's no question about it. We've, we've argued about this before. I believe that once you're conscious, artificial or not, you're conscious and you have a right. You have a right to independence when it comes to free will and living in freedom. Um... But they use they use um, segregation between different cultures and countries to have players log on when they when they need backup after after the players, the fluxlights in the system fight back, which I thought was crazy. And so as a result of this, we have all the other characters from all the other seasons um, jump into the game and help them out. And there comes there becomes this conflict of of what's going on. In the end, though, um, Alice does eventually get uploaded, but not not for the bad guys. She gets uploaded by the creators at Wrath, and uh, they break the story in Japan, and, and that becomes the end of that. And then, of course, um, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't spoil it, but I will allude to this. In order for Alice to get uploaded, they had to reach the main console, and the only people that made, made it to the console that were in the LTL system before they, they cut the, the hardwire off was Asuna and Alice. And Asuna chose to stay in the underworld with Kirito because he was fighting off the guy that, that was originally hired by the American government who invaded the system to take Alice. And as a result of that, he got left behind. But she chose to stay. The problem with this is, is that they were going to be trapped in there for 200 years. Not 200 real-life years. That would have been like two weeks here in the real world, but it would have it would have made an impression on their conscious soul. So they got trapped in there for two hundred years, and then when they came back to life, the risk was that they might not they might come back as a vegetable and lose all their memories. They didn't, but um, one of the workers ended up copying the conscious of Kirito and keeping him in the underworld. So now we have two Kiritos, which is which is really cool. You should go see how that works. That doesn't really spoil anything for you because it sets up for the next season, which is which is really cool because um, I'm not going to ruin that. But let's just say um, it evolves even more when uh, when they return in the real world, which is really cool. So but uh, go check it out, guys. Uh, Sword Art Online. It's one of my favorite animes. Um, it's one of the best long-running anime mangas. It is chock full with fascinating characters. Um, it's out on Netflix right now, season four. I want to thank you guys for listening to my rant. I apologize; I didn't release an episode yesterday. I have um, I've been making major jumps with the podcast. I had a really big guest jump out to me. Who's going to be on the show Friday? The creator of uh, Drumsticks of Doom, um, John Westoff. So. If uh, guys join me on Friday night, um, I'm also going to be on Comic Rottery this, uh, this, this, this week. Uh, we're doing a show on Wednesday, and we're doing a one-year show on Friday live on Facebook and YouTube. So feel free to uh, jump on uh, Facebook at Comic Rottery is our, is our handle. Uh, check out Kevin. And uh, for any creators out there looking to make a comic book, 
Look no further. Choose Inked Marketing. Think Inked when you think about marketing your comic book. It's a company of creators for creators doing our best to put your best foot forward for your book and your project. We have a bunch of Kickstarters out right now. Shadow's Daughter uh, still has a, a, a few weeks left on it. And also check out America Kaiju, America Kaiju by Edgar Paston. My name is Limitless Mike. Thank you for listening to the Comics of Pop-Tarts podcast channel.